0: Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Let's get to look here. Over the past three months, since January 1st, we've been talking about the book of Genesis. We've almost through the entire book of Genesis. We started in Genesis 1 1. Uh, God created everything. I'm not going to go through it all. You can find it all online and listen to them all over again if you would love to. Feel free, but I'm not going to go through them today. Last week, we talked about Jacob. And Leah, remember Jacob and Leah? Leah was the ugly sister. She was the undesirable sister. She was the sister that nobody wanted. She was the outcast of the family. She was the one that was not wanted by Jacob or her dad, Laban. Her sister, Rachel, was the one that Jacob wanted. And we talked about how there's people in our life. There are times in our life where people will use us. They'll lie to us, they'll make us feel bad about ourselves, they'll tear us down, they'll mess us up, and how we respond to those situations um, is a big deal. Uh, We talked about how God sees us, God knows what we're going through, God sees what we're going through, and God blesses us while we're going through it. So we can be in in the biggest valley of our life, and we can know for sure, one, God sees us. Two, God knows what we're going through. And three, God blesses us while we are going through that struggle. Uh, Today, we're going to look uh, kind of like a whole view, like an overview of the life of Joseph. Uh, Can I give you a heads up? Today, we're talking about Joseph Next week is Palm Sunday, and we're talking about Palm Sunday. We're talking about Jesus right before the crucifixion. The following week, April the 4th, is Easter Sunday. That Sunday, we're going back to the book of Genesis. We're going to finish out the book of Genesis uh, with Genesis chapter 48, I believe it is. Um, And you may be thinking, what in the world does Genesis have to do with Easter? Wonderful. I'm glad you're thinking that. I will see you in two weeks. Be here in two weeks and you will find out what Joseph and Genesis and Joseph's kids have to do with Easter. See you all in two weeks on April the 4th. But today we're going to look at Genesis chapter 37 all the way to Genesis 47. Have you ever heard a sermon that covered ten chapters in Scripture? I see a couple thumbs down from my family. Thank you. Thank you all. We may get out of here by 3 o'clock. Is that cool? We'll be here at 2 o'clock to stuff those those things. You ain't got no choice to go nowhere. We're going to be stuffing them while I'm up here, while Alex is singing the last song at 2.15. Uh, I'm joking. I kid. Okay, let's, you know, we'll get started. Let's look at the whole life of Genesis. I'm going to give you a, uh, the, the Michael Jernigan version, the MJV of Genesis 37 through 47 real quickly so we're not going to read it because I love you all and I'm not that good of a reader because I stutter and I can't keep my space spot and that kind of stuff. So Genesis 37 to 47 is this. There was a Jacob Remember, he married Leah and then married Rachel. Him and Rachel had a daughter, had a, a kid, they had several boys. One of them was Joseph. The youngest was Joseph. Uh, Joseph had some dreams. When he was a little boy, he had some dreams. His dreams were crazy dreams, but he felt like he could interpret those dreams. And he felt like the dreams that he had... His dreams were telling him that one day his other brothers were going to bow down to him. He's going to be greater than they are. He's going to be more important than they are, that one day his brothers are going to bow down to him. Remember, Jacob is the, or Jacob, Joseph is the youngest brother. So Joseph did what younger brothers tend to do on occasions, and he went and told his other brothers, Hey, guess what? One day y'all are going to bow down to me. I'm going to be over you. Y'all are bowing down. Every one of you, all 11 of you are bowing down to me. And the older brothers were like, this joke was crazy. I ain't bowing down to him for nothing. A couple days later, Jacob sent the older brothers out with the sheep to go walk and water and feed the sheep. While they were gone, Jacob told Joseph, said, go check on your brothers, make sure they're okay. Joseph went and checked on his brothers, and his brothers were like, here comes our little brother." Remember that little brother that said, we're going to bow down to him? Remember that little brother that said, we're going to, he's going to be rule over us. He's going to be in charge over us. I got an idea. Let's kill him. Can I ask you a question this morning? And can you not be honest with me? (laughs) Anybody ever thought about killing your siblings? Good. Good, huh? Did you say in-laws? In-laws? I didn't say it. Ken. Ken's a machine, Kirk. You better be careful is all I'm saying. So... Jacob sent Joseph to check on the brothers. The brothers had a plan and said, let's kill him. One brother named Reuben said, I don't know about killing him. Let's hold off on killing him. So they found a a, a ditch. They found a hole. They found a pit. They said, let's throw him in the pit. So they threw him in the pit. Then the other brothers were eating lunch. Their plan was to leave Joseph in the pit and let some wild animal come by and kill him so that way it's off their hands. The animal did it. We got nothing to do with it. While they're eating lunch, a group of people, a caravan come by uh, of Ishmaelites. And these Ishmaelites, they had slaves. And one of the brothers had an idea said, I got a good idea instead of leaving him in the pit and letting him die how about we sell him and get some money out of him let's just sell him to a slave let's just make him a slave and sell him the boys were like sounds good to me so they got Joseph out of the pit they sold him to the Ishmaelites the Ishmaelites then went into Egypt but while they were going to Egypt the brothers had to have a plan to be able to tell Jacob the dad what happened to the youngest son the son that he loves more than the rest what happened to Joseph so you know what their plan was They took Joseph's coat, they slaughtered a goat, they took some of the goat's blood, put it on the coat, and they told Dad, Dad, I don't know what happened. We found the coat. We don't know where Joseph's at. Some animal must have killed Joseph. Sorry, your son, your beloved son, Joseph is dead. The Bible says that Jacob then tore his clothes. Can I ask you a question this morning? And you not be honest with me again? You may ever just rip your clothes Hulk Hogan style, rip your shirt. I've done it. I've done it on occasion or two. Joseph was with the Ishmaelites on the way to Egypt. When they got into Egypt, they sold Joseph to Potiphar to live in Potiphar's house. Potiphar was an official that worked for Pharaoh. He was one of Pharaoh's officials. Joseph was then obedient and worked for Potiphar. The Bible says that Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph. Joseph did a really good job working with Potiphar and that Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph. While Joseph was there working for Potiphar, Potiphar had a wife. Potiphar's wife tends to started to like Joseph. She thought Joseph looked good. She wanted to make out with Joseph. She wanted to take him on a date. However, there was a problem. Potiphar had a husband. I mean, Potiphar's wife had a husband, which was Potiphar, which was Jacob's boss, which was Jacob's, or Jacob, Joseph's master. So Potiphar's wife started hitting on Joseph. He's like, hey, JoJo. You look good today. A little Hebrew boy. I like Hebrew boys. Hey, JoJo. Joseph said, uh-uh. you got a husband. A husband's my master. A husband's Potiphar. He works for Pharaoh. Pharaoh's the most powerful person in the world. I ain't messing with you. So Potiphar's wife was a little upset. She was a little offended because her advances towards Jojo was turned down. So what'd she do? She'd come up with a master plan. She said, he don't want me. That's fine. I'm going to set him up. So her plan was she called Joseph to come into her room. While he was in there, she made an advance on him. And Joseph said, I ain't messing with you. So Joseph fleed from the scene. When he left the scene, she grabbed onto his jacket, and he kind of shimmied out of his jacket to be able to get away from Potiphar's wife because he didn't want to get in trouble with Potiphar. He, she, he ended up coming out of his jacket. He left his jacket at Potiphar's wife's house. Potiphar's wife then said, I got him. She called in the servant. She said, this is Joseph's jacket. He was in here. He was trying to get with me. I was trying to push him off. While we were fighting, his jacket came off. Right here it is. Here's the proof that he was trying to get with me. Potiphar's wife told the servants. The servants told Potiphar. Potiphar called in. Joseph said, what went on? I can't believe you would do that to me. I've helped you. You've helped me. We've worked well together. You were in charge of my whole house, and now you're going to act like that to me? You're going to try to get with my wife? What are you doing? You're going straight to prison. So Joseph went off to jail. While Joseph was in jail, he met a cupbearer and a baker. The cupbearer and the baker both worked for Pharaoh. Remember, Pharaoh is the most important man in the world at this time. In Egypt, he's like a god in Egypt. They worked for him. Apparently, they made Pharaoh upset. Pharaoh sent them to prison. While they were in prison, they both had dreams. The cupbearer and the uh, baker both had dreams. Joseph said, hey, I've had dreams before. I had dreams my brothers were going to bow down to me, and I still believe it's going to happen. I'm kind of cool with dreams. Tell me your dreams, and I may be able to tell you what's going to happen. The cupbearer and the baker both tell Joseph their dreams. Joseph said, I got it. Here's what's going to happen. The cupbearer, in three days, Pharaoh's going to put you back in your position in Pharaoh's house. You're going to be restored back to where you were at. You're going to be forgiven. You're going to be back in the same position you were at before you come to prison. The baker said, sweet, what about my dream? What's my dream mean? Joseph said, well, in three days you're going to die. In three days Pharaoh's going to uh, impale you, the word says. We all know what impale means. Do I need to draw you a picture? Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. It's got to do with a rod okay three days you're gonna die sure enough what happened three days later the cupbearer was restored to his position in pharaoh's house and the baker died as the cupbearer was leaving the jail leaving the cell, leaving prison joseph said hey remember me when you get to pharaoh's house Did the cupbearer remember Joseph? He did, but it took two years. For two whole years, Joseph sat in that prison. And then two years later, Pharaoh had a dream. He called all of his magicians. He called all of his smart people, called all all of his team in. He told them about the dream. Nobody could tell him what the dream meant. Nobody had a clue what Pharaoh's dream was leading to. And then all of a sudden the cupbearer says, hey, I remember this guy I met two years ago. Remember when you sent me to prison two years ago and I sat in jail for three days? Remember that? I met a guy there, this guy in prison named Joseph. Joseph's kind of cool with dreams. He told me what was going to happen in my life and he was right. He told the baker what was going to happen in his life and he was right. You may want to go talk to Joseph. So Pharaoh calls Joseph up to his house and he tells him his dream. There's a statue, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Joseph says this, and here's what your dream means. Egypt is gonna have seven good years coming up. The next seven years of Egypt is gonna be great. We're gonna have a lot of food, a lot of success, prosperity, everything's gonna be wonderful. It's gonna be great. Seven good years. The following seven years are going to be terrible. We're going to have a famine. We're not going to have any food. We're all going to be in bad shape. We need to start getting ready for those bad seven during this good seven so that when the bad seven come, we can all still live. We're not going to die. We're not going to starve to death. They're not going to shut us down. We've got to get ready today. Pharaoh said, you're right. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. Joseph was the second most powerful person in all of Egypt at this time, right behind Pharaoh. So for seven years, they had seven good years, and Joseph made a plan. I'm going to start storing away grain. I'm going to start storing away food so that when these seven years are up and we get into the bad seven years, we're going to have food stored away. They stored away food for seven years. When the seven bad years came, guess what wasn't so bad? The food, because Joseph had stored up seven years worth of food during the good seven to prepare for the bad seven. Now, Joseph's brothers and son Jacob or, and father Jacob, where they were living, they didn't have food stored up. They were hungry, they needed some food. So Jacob told the brothers said, "You need to go to Egypt. You need to get us some food from Egypt." I heard they got a lot. So the brothers packed up, they went to Egypt. They did not know that Joseph was in charge of Egypt. So they saw Joseph, but they didn't recognize him, probably because he was dressed like an Egyptian. He had on like one of those little head things and some makeup, and he probably was walking around like Egyptians do. You know what I'm saying. He had a whole deal on. So they didn't recognize Joseph. They said, listen, we need some food. Joseph recognized them. He said, oh, you need some food. How much food do you need? They said, well, we got several in our family. Dad's back home. We need some food. Joseph sent them some food back home, and he said, wait a minute. Before you go, you have a younger brother? He said, yeah, I said, we got one younger brother we left at home. we got another younger brother, but he died several years ago. Little did they know, they were talking to Joseph about Joseph. And Joseph said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back and get your other younger brother, bring him back here with me. And the guy said, I can't do that. He said, Dad won't let him come because Dad's already lost Joseph, our other younger brother. He's not going to let this younger brother come as well. Joseph said, you don't get no food. He said, bring the younger brother back to me. So the boys went back to Jacob. The boys convinced Jacob, said, Dad, listen, we promise we've got to take the younger brother. It's Benjamin. We've got to take Benjamin to Egypt. we got to the, the, the guy in charge of Egypt, so we got to see him before he gives us any food. Jacob agrees. They take Benjamin. All of them go back. They go back to Egypt. Jacob, Joseph, gives them some food but keeps Benjamin there with him gives the other boy some food, sends it home. They tried to pay for the food. Joseph didn't take their money, put their money back in their bag so that it would look like they stole the food so they would have to come back to Egypt again. Once they got home, Jacob said, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm going to Egypt now. Jacob went to Egypt. They found out that this is Joseph that's in charge of all of Egypt. Joseph revealed himself to his brothers and to his dad. And then following that, Joseph told, or Pharaoh told Joseph, that you, your dad, your brothers, your whole family, can live here in Egypt. They were starving over there, but here they can have whatever we have. They can be here in our people. So because of Joseph, he was able to feed and take care of and provide for his entire family. That is Genesis 37 through 47. Pretty good, huh? Genesis 37 through 47. What a story. Oh, what a great story. I love the Bible character Joseph. I love Joseph, and here's why I love Joseph. Joseph went through a lot of junk. Joseph went through a lot of trials. Joseph went through a lot of things that happened to him that were no caused by him. Joseph got a bunch of raw deals in his life. Look at everything that I just shared with you of what happened to Joseph that was not good. One, he was thrown in a pit. That wasn't his fault. He didn't do anything to deserve that. Two, he was sold into slavery. He didn't do anything to deserve that. Three, he was thrown into jail because Potiphar's wife set him up. He didn't deserve that. He did the right thing by not hooking up with Potiphar's wife. Four, he was forgotten while he was in prison because he told the cupbearer, said, remember me because I hooked you up with those dreams. Remember me. Don't forget about me. He was forgotten about for two years in prison. Let me ask you a question today. Do you ever feel like you got a raw deal in life? you ever feel like bad stuff happened to you that you don't deserve? Do you ever feel like you're going through a valley that you shouldn't be going through? Can we be honest and say this morning that life is hard? That life is tough? Can we be even more honest and say that sometimes life isn't fair? You think Joseph deserved what happened to him? Joseph didn't deserve to go to prison. He deserved to be a hero because he said no to Potiphar's wife. She set him up, sent him in the prison. You ever get raw deals in life? You ever get the short end of the stick in life? You ever feel like life's not fair? Maybe for you, you got a bad report from the doctor that you weren't expecting, and you're thinking, where in the world did this come from? Why is this happening to me here? Why is it happening now? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to get through this? Maybe for you, it was come through a family member, maybe a mom or dad or a husband or wife, forgot about you, left you, let you go, pushed you to the side. Maybe you did nothing wrong in the relationship, It didn't matter they don't care they still forgot about you they still let you down they still pushed you away or maybe you think about the past year of our life here and you're thinking what's the deal with COVID like what do we do to deserve that like jobs lost lives lost relationships broken Like, what's the deal? How do we get through this? Life is tough. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Life has the ability to tear you down. Life has the ability to grab hold of you and just throw you down over and over again. What I want us to talk about for the next 20 minutes this morning is how do we respond when life kicks us in the face? How do we respond when we're like Joseph, and we're in a valley that we didn't cause? How do we respond when we find ourselves in a situation that was not of our own doing, that was just simply life happening to us? What do we do? What do we say? How do we live when that happens? I got three things for you this morning I believe is important for us to do. Number one, number one is we have to be honest with God. If you find yourself today in a raw deal situation, if you find yourself today in a valley, if you find yourself today in a season in your life where life's just not fair, maybe a loved one has passed, maybe a loved one just walked out of your life. If that's you this morning, can I encourage you to simply be honest in prayer with the Lord? Now, you may be thinking, I don't ever pray, so I don't, being honest ain't no problem. Problem number one. Be honest in prayer with the Lord. I believe that even the most godly of godliest person, I believe that the most faithful believer at times has trouble reconciling in their mind. When the goodness of God, when God's goodness, when the truth of God, the fact that God's in control, when that truth does not line up with their life experience, meaning life stinks sometimes, When those two things don't match up, I think even the most devoted believer has a struggle, has doubts, has fears with those two concepts. You ever been there? You know God's good. You know God's in control. I'm trusting in Him. I'm believing in Him. He's great. He's been good. But man, life stinks right now. God's good can't pay my bills. God's good. My husband stepped out on me. God's good. Mom or dad just passed. God's good. God's in control. It's hard for me to see it in my life. If you find yourself in those situations today, Oh, y'all, there's nothing could help you more than to simply be honest with your feelings and your emotions in prayer to God. There's a Bible character named Job. You guys know the story of Job very well. Job was considered the most righteous man on the planet. Nobody was more holy than he was. Nobody was more devout than he was. Nobody was more devoted, a bigger believer than Job was. What happened to Job? Job lost everything he had in one day. Lost his cattle, lost his sheep, lost his goat, lost everything that he had, lost it all, plus he lost his family. And you read in the book of Job, The whole middle section of Job is a conversation that he had with God the Father. And what do you read in that section? You read Job being honest with God. You read that Job told God, God, I don't like this garbage. Why did this junk happen to me? I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm devout. How come? Where's your goodness at now? I've done what you've asked me to do. I've done everything that you've required of me. But yet, you still tuck my sheep, my cattle, my income, my family. God's goodness and life experiences don't match up. What tends to happen, we don't do like Job does, we tend to push that stuff down in our heart, right? We don't tend to be honest in our conversations with the Lord and tell God we're upset and tell him we're angry and even maybe even take it a step further and yell and scream and cry and holler. We don't like to do that stuff because that makes us look weak. So what we tend to do is we tend to push that stuff down in our heart. We take this anger that we have. We take this uncertainty that we have about the character of God in life experiences that don't mash up. We take these things and we push them down, and we take it and it turns into anxiety, and it turns into headaches, and it turns into ulcers, and it turns into bad physical health. Then what happens if you've ever been there? you know that sooner or later, those feelings and those emotions that you've pushed down in your heart for so long, they're going to come out because they only stay in for so long. When they come out and they don't come out in the right way, what tends to happen is we take them out on somebody that's got nothing to do with the original feeling and emotions of fear and anger and anxiety that we have in our hearts to begin with. As mom or dad, we tend to take those feelings out on kids where kids got nothing to do with what originally started those emotions and those fears, and we yell at the kids when really we're upset with something else in life. That, my friends, is called displaced anger, and it happens in families and households and communities all across our world, all because we're not honest with the Lord. There's a saying that we like to say here in America that time heals what? All wounds. Time heals all wounds. Wrong. Wrong. You know what time does? Makes your hair fall out, gives you bad eyesight. Makes the hair on my legs fall out. Somebody say that's right. I've noticed over the past couple of years, the more I wear blue jeans, the less hair I have on my legs. Just saying. That's got very little to do with this. It's got nothing, but I'm just saying. If you wonder why I wear shorts three-fourths of the year, that's why. I know a lady, a friend of mine, uh, had, had her husband passed away a while back. And I was talking to her when her husband uh, was right after he had passed. She has a son. And I asked this lady, I said, how are you doing? She said, we're okay. Um, We're not great, obviously, but we're okay. I said, how's your son? She said, he's in rough shape. I said, why is he in rough shape? She said, he just hit him that his dad isn't coming home tonight. Like, it just hit him that his dad... He's not going to be there to go eat breakfast on Friday morning. And I said, listen, give him my phone number. Tell him if he wants to call, call me. I'll talk to him. She said, he ain't talking to nobody. I said, what do you mean? She said, he won't talk to me, won't talk to his friends, won't talk to his aunt. He won't talk to nobody. There may not be a worse place to be today. And if you're in a place where you're suppressing your feelings and your emotions. Amen. If this young man believes that I just need a month, I'll be fine. I just need six months, I'll be fine. I need a couple years, I'll be fine. Nothing could be further from the truth. The truth is time does not heal anything only the Lord can heal our hearts. If you are here this morning with a a broken spirit, if you're here this morning with emotions of anger and fear and resentment and unforgiveness and all you're doing is pushing them down in your life because you don't want to face it, because you don't want to deal with it, my friends it's going to be there tomorrow when you wake up. It's going to be there a year from now when you wake up. It's going to be there six years from now when you wake up. Time's not going to heal it, the only thing that can heal it is God the Father can minister to, can change, can love on your heart and on your soul, and that only happens when you are honest with the Father, right? It starts with you being honest during those struggle times. Point number two, point number two we have to be able to see the big picture of what's going on. Whenever we are in a struggle, whenever we are filled with anger, or wherever we face a raw deal or a tough situation, there's more going on than what we can see going on. There's more happening than what we can just see. Look at the life of Joseph, all those bad times in his life, those incidents where he found himself in the pit, and he found himself in prison, and he found himself as a slave. There was more going on than what Joseph could see going on, and here's what was going on. The beginning of Joseph's problem started with his brothers, correct? Talk to me, correct? The brothers led to the pit. The pit led to slavery, slavery led to Potiphar's house. Potiphar's house led to Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife led to prison. Prison led to the cupbearer. The cupbearer led to Pharaoh. Pharaoh led to a famine. Famine led to Jacob being in charge of Egypt. Jacob being in charge of Egypt led to the salvation and the saving of Jacob's or Joseph's whole family. Joseph probably had no idea when he was sitting in that pit that was going to lead to him being able to provide food for his whole family. I believe today there are times in your life when what you see as a problem, God sees as a solution. What you see as a problem, God sees as an answer. Joseph saw the pit as a problem. Joseph may have saw prison. Potiphar's wife, slavery, the famine as a problem. God saw it as an answer. God saw it as an answer to be able to provide for Jacob and his family. Because remember, Joseph's great-grandfather, Abraham, was promised by God to be a father of many nations. Joseph's grandfather, Isaac, was promised by God in that same promise to be a father of many nations. Joseph's father, Jacob, had that same promise. Do you think God was going to allow that promise to end with Joseph? No. There's more going on than what you could see going on. You may be here this morning, and you see, you see yourself as a single parent. That's a problem. It's a problem that I'm a single parent. Maybe God sees it as an answer. Maybe God's using you as a single parent to minister to, to love to, to serve your children in ways that nobody else could, but you can because you are a single parent. You may see yourself today, you may be here today, and you see yourself as losing your job as a problem. Maybe God sees it as an answer. He wants you to use your skills and talents and gifts in a different area, in a different way in your life, but you can't do it because of the job that you currently have. So losing your job is no longer a problem. It is an answer that God has provided for you. Maybe you're here today, and you struggle with some type of mental illness, and you see that as a problem. God sees it as an answer because you have life experiences that nobody else has and you can minister to and speak life and hope and love into people in your circle of influence that nobody else can. You, my friend, are not a problem. You are an answer. What the brothers saw as a problem, God saw as an answer. What Joseph saw as a problem, the pit, Potiphar's wife, prison, God saw as an answer. What Pharaoh saw as a problem being the famine, God saw as an answer to save and to fulfill his promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob being a father of many nations. Can you please know this morning that whatever your struggle is, whatever your greatest struggle, whatever your greatest trouble, whatever your greatest fear is, that is exactly where God wants to use you today. God only God can take the biggest fear, can take that biggest struggle, can take that biggest weakness you have in your life and flip it over and use it for the good. Only God can do that. That, too, my friend, starts with you being honest with the Father. We've got to be honest, we've got to see the big picture, and number three, we've got to trust the Lord. We've got to trust that his ways are better than our ways. That his thoughts are better than our thoughts. Joseph says in Genesis 50, verse 20, he says these words, talking to his brothers. He says, what you meant for evil, God used for good. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Let me say it one more time. What you meant, what the world meant, what the enemy meant, what your family meant, what your ex-husband or ex-wife meant, what your mom or dad meant, what your employer meant, what your family meant, what your neighbors meant, what the people around you meant to tear you down, to rip you up, to take you out, God meant for good. I don't think y'all understood what I said. I don't think you understand. Okay, let's try it this way. Let's try it this way. Satan's out to kill you. Satan's out to steal, kill, and destroy everything in your life. And he will stop at nothing to get to you. He will use your mind. He will use people. He will use situations. He'll use material things. He don't care. He will lie to you. He will cheat you. He will steal from you just so he can tear you down. Only God in heaven can take what the enemy means to tear you down and use it to build you up. God can take the worst thing in your life, the absolute worst of the worst, the pits. God can take it and build you up. What you meant for evil, Joseph said, God used for good. Only God can take our biggest struggle. Only God can take our biggest weakness. Only God can take our biggest deficiency and use that for things that are much better than what we can do. Only God can do it. My question for you this morning is do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe that your weakness today is strength in the Lord? Or are you having a poor, pitiful me party? (laughs) Gosh, look at me. I'm not good at talking to people. I'm a single parent. Gosh. I'm going to have friends. Dad passed away a while back. What am I going to do? I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm trusting that God's ways are better than my ways. I'm trusting that his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. One of the things I've learned in going through the book of Genesis the past couple of months, and we're going to talk about it again in a couple of weeks, just kind of give you a, a little heads up. There have been several times in the book of Genesis where the bloodline of Jesus has been threatened to stop, has been threatened to cut off. Remember, the whole story of the Old Testament points to the New Testament Jesus, right? Everything in the Old Testament points to the New Testament Jesus. There are several opportunities just in the book of Genesis for the bloodline of Jesus to be cut off. That's what we're going to talk about on Easter Sunday, by the way, just a heads up. Joseph here is one of them. If Joseph hadn't trusted in the Lord while he was in the pit, while he was a slave, while he was in prison, while he was in Pharaoh's house, if Joseph hadn't trusted in the Lord and his dad and brothers were not able to come to him to get food to live, the bloodline of Jesus could have been cut off here at the end of the book of Genesis. But because he trusted, because he believed, Because he was honest, because he saw the big picture, Joseph was able to allow God to take the pit, to take his brothers, to take prison, to take Potiphar's wife, to take Pharaoh and Pharaoh's house. God was able to take all that stuff and use it for us today so that we can receive salvation from Jesus because without Joseph, there would be no Jesus. Because the bloodline of the Lord would have been cut off. Now, I'm not naive enough to believe that God is good and sovereign, that he would not have have another plan. Amen. My question for you today is, do you trust in the Lord's ways? If you find yourself today in a struggle with anger, fear, frustration, anxiety, uncertainty, because life gave you a bad hand, can I encourage you to be honest, to see the big picture, to realize there's more going on than what we can see going on, and to simply trust in the Father. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's pray. God, again we thank you for today. <clears throat> God, we thank you for the life of Joseph. God, we thank you for God, we thank you for his struggles. We thank you for the troubles that he went through and what we can learn from it. God, I pray for my family that is here, my friends and family that are here today. God, we come admitting that life is hard. That life is tough, and we need your help. God, life sometimes doesn't make sense. Sometimes we're angry. Sometimes we're confused. Sometimes we're uncertain. Sometimes we're fearful. Sometimes we're doubtful. God, your word says that greater is he that is in me, That he That is in the world. So, God, even though we are in the world and we have anger and fear and frustration and resentment around us, God, help us to trust in you and you alone because your ways are better, your ways are higher. God, help us to trust in you. God, also help us to be honest. Lord, help us not to push down those emotions and those feelings of fear, anger, regret, anxiety, resentment, bitterness. God, help us to take them to you because you are the only one that can heal those parts of our life. You are the only one that can touch those areas of our hearts. God, I finally pray that you would help us to see the big picture. Help us to see there's more going on around us than what we can see going on. And the way we respond to life's struggles, it impacts people around us, not just us. Lord God, help us to trust in you. We pray.